live from New York. It's episode nine. How are you guys? Friday. Friday. I love, I love Fridays. Brandon, why are you in New York? Um, well, that's an interesting question. I basically had so many things to do that I've put off for so many months, including getting my torn MCL looked at um, for the first time since I did that job. Um, getting a, my hairs cut, which Walt has already made fun of. Have you picked up a microphone? It doesn't sound like it. No, I, oh. I, didn't, I didn't pick You're up a microphone. You're about to order that. Nor a green screen. Still no green screen. No, it's been no literally green, 13 no, weeks and no green no screen. No green screen, no microphone. But this is what I didn't tell you. You guys were rushing me to get back from the doctor so that we could record this. And I took the subway. Ew. <laughs> I see your faces. I mean, most people who now hear this will not watch because everyone likes the convenience of a podcast. Um, but it was actually pretty good. There was, there were like three people in my car and then one person got off. Everyone, anyone had, a without a ma everyone had a mask? Clean. And I'll tell you why I took the subway. I, I walked there, but the reason I took the subway over an Uber is because you don't have to touch anything to go on the subway. You just pull your card out, you swipe the card, go in, you don't have to touch a door, anything. You just kind of stand there with your mask and then you get off. I guess you so, have better balance than most people. Uh, even with the bum knee, what can I say? So I haven't looked at the numbers in terms of what it costs to run public transit, but I'm guessing that ridership of three people per car probably might not work <laughs> in the long term. I think ridership, ridership is still down, uh, I don't know, probably like 85%. There's so, like nobody there. Mass transit actually working like mass transit is, I would, this would be an interesting challenge if you could well, get on a subway and not touch another human well, in a normal, in a let's, normal let's, circumstance. Let's be clear here. Okay. I do not want to go on, so now it's like a prisoner's dilemma because yeah. I'm very happy to go on the subway when nobody's on it, but I would never go on the subway when other people were on it. What are the chances that de Blasio uh, had HEPA filters or whoever's in charge of that installed on subway so they can have the clean air that airplanes enjoy? Chances of that? Zero? Zero. Uh, Zero. We're not going to get political, but I think all of us dislike certain public officials. Okay, let's go to let's go to slide number one. By the way, no one even commented on my background. I'm I'm kind of sad because I thought this Zoom background was an awesome one, of of our our master of the market, Robin Hood himself. Um, because I don't know the the more I look at stock moves lately, I'm like, what the hell's the point of our job? It's just like, talk to Dave Portnoy. Why are you talking to me? <laughs> Um, All right, with, are we going to do some COVID? Well, let's start with COVID. I think we can come back to crazy stock moves uh, in just a minute. But we've got two slides up here. One is Apple starting to close some stores. So if you remember, Apple has started to open all of their stores. Now Apple is closing stores in Florida, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Arizona due yeah. to COVID. And then the news that just hit a few minutes ago or earlier today, that the Phillies have five players and three staff members there may be family members as well, because that doesn't include the family members, but their facilities in Clearwater, Florida are now closed. 
And, you know, look, I think all of this just ties to reopening is going to be a lot harder and it's going to be this start and stop process is what it feels like. Yeah, couldn't agree. And especially, you know, there's not a uniformity among all the states, but all the sports leagues, <laughs> you know, operate throughout most or many of the 50 states. And so you're going to have different circumstances in different places. There's hotspots in some places and not in others. Thankfully, here in the Northeast, we're in good shape. Where we I think it also, But Brandon, I think it also ties to, if you think of the NBA, they're putting very extreme rules around the bubble. Like you cannot leave the bubble. Yeah. Or you have to quarantine for 14 days. And I think it's because there is a lot of fear of just how safe it is outside the bubble, especially well, with Florida. Especially in Florida, right? Nice. I mean, which is going to obviously give you an entree to, you know, talk some smack on Diz um, <laughs> if, you, if oh, you want to. We don't know which stores in Florida, by the way, that Apple um, has closed. Of course, Apple PR, IR was not helpful at all. Um, asking well, for, for providing a list in terms of which doors were um, were reclosed. But Joe checked and he saw, still saw that stores in yeah, Orlando if, seem to be if, open. If you can rely on that, right? I don't know. Right. We make show up tomorrow and, and the website gets updated. I don't know. Maybe they'll give us some additional info, but doubtful. Um, so look, it may not be Orlando, but I think to Brandon's point, it underscores that, look, if, you know, Apple's like proactively closing stores and you've got these major theme parks, um seems like kind of a yeah odd, odd situation theme parks return of sports e even with all the measures um that are being taken it, it's still a tough time i mean we've all like tried to move on to, to other well, issues I think apple's been pretty good at demonstrating leadership at being pretty consistent in their message staying at the company as for one example um you know during this process process rich that was a an opening for you to chime in on your favorite topic. Um, so look, I mean, I think they've been a leader, which is why the markets have been impacted today. I mean, the market was up and then Apple, Apple's almost like more of a leader than some, what some other people talk about in terms of where we are with COVID. Right, but I think the, the, the for me, the key takeaway is Apple can make a lot of money even if their stores are closed. You know, Apple can basically run their entire business. It may not be as good. People do like going to stores. I love going into Apple stores. Who doesn't? But the reality is theme parks don't have that luxury, right? Like if, if theme parks are closed, they generate no revenue and have huge fixed costs. And I think my, my guess is, is that's why, you know, you continue to see Universal Studios open, Legoland open even without even requiring masks. And I think the big question mark is gonna be, does Disney World open uh, you know, Can I just reemphasize that masks are horrible because I spent yesterday oh in Philly. No, I'm serious. Helping my mom. So my point is, look, they're necessary, certainly with these theme parks and movie theaters and whatever it is. But it, it, it's for someone to spend this gets back to what Richard talked about before for someone to spend a hot Orlando day. Um, yeah, that you know, sucks. Wearing a mask. I mean, that that is that's different than sitting maybe in an air conditioned movie theater for two hours, spending a full day waiting in line with your kid <laughs> whining in a mask. Like masks are horrible. <laughs> They're horrible I, to wear. Not, not yeah. to mention the experience is going to be degraded beyond the mask because of all of the social distancing requirements. Like it's just vacations that require you to be in group settings like that. I just it it sounds very hard to believe that pre-vaccine that you can rebound to anywhere near 
reasonable levels. Like, I think that's where the market is just, there's a total disconnect. Like everyone just thinks it snaps right back. And, and I think there's just a, a serious disconnect there. Yeah, well, there's a lot of disconnects in the market right now. Um, like we're staying on COVID. Go ahead. Well, we are just just briefly, just because I think it. You know, there's this topic of Hollywood reopen this week. That's one of the big things. You know, over the last week, you've been allowed to resume production in Hollywood, and Bold and Beautiful, a CBS soap opera, they started, got a day into production, and then stopped because they needed to put in more extensive uh, testing protocols. Was so that, that disappointing was one... to you, Rich? Were you looking to see what happened with uh, the latest drama on the the Bold and the Beautiful? I actually think my wife is actually is a soap opera fan, so she might actually care. I, I personally don't, but it was actually, it, yes, there is this like, it, it is going to be much more complicated to restart. I mean, I think if soap operas are already struggling, like imagine doing a Marvel film or a DC Comics film, like it's going to be really hard. But then what just made me laugh, Walt, is that for intimacy seems a topic we've talked about on the on the podcast before. For intimacy scenes in the intimacy soap opera, scenes. intimacy scenes, sorry. Isn't it okay? It's okay to say it's a sex scene, Rich, I think. Uh, okay, no? fine. It, well, because it's, it's not really, because it, <laughs> it, it's broadcast TV, so it's not really sex, Walt. But... For, the, for those who are listening to this, I have my hand over my face. No, no, but, but seriously. So they're using, on The Bold and the Beautiful, they're uh -huh. going to use actual spouses as body doubles for the actors because they don't want to put actors in close proximity in those intimacy scenes. And so they're having your real life spouse as a stand-in. And I just- but hold, hold on for a second. What, what stop is saying, spouse, first of all, stop what, saying intimacy. What if the spouse is a completely different sex than the person that's in the intimacy scene, let alone, you know, looks different. <laughs> I mean, what the- This is, this is evolving quickly. I, I have no that, idea. I think that they could probably do um, some AR, like um, filter, like a snap filter. Maybe, maybe they should engage with snap on this uh, one. Brother. Okay. All, all, all you need to know for everyone listening is just Hollywood, Hollywood restarting is going to be really hard. That is the major thesis takeaway. We got it, Rich. On to the next. Intimacy. Intimacy. <laughs> Okay, what do we got? On. Spotify? Are we, are we yeah, doing this? Yeah, there we are. I don't know what yeah. happened. Uh, Brandon, you want to start this? No, I mean, look, um, we've been very positive on Spotify. Brandon, can I, can I interrupt for a second? To, to read the tweets that we're talking about. Oh. We, have, we have a podcast now, remember. The I podcast. Forgot. The Lightshed podcast. Okay. This one from Business Insider. Spotify yep. surges nearly 15% to an all-time high after signing Kim Kardashian West for an exclusive podcast. Okay. Yep. Second one, Spotify News. Spotify is entering into a new multi-year partnership with Warner Brothers and DC Comics to produce and distribute an exclusive original slate of narrative scripted podcasts about superheroes and supervillains. That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I think the latter one is a little cooler than the former. Um, nothing against Kim K, but I, I honestly, from my understanding about it, I don't think this is that big of a deal, this particular podcast. I don't even think the dollars were probably, um, all that big, but the, the, the theme here is yes, Spotify is pushing hard into notice. I didn't say leaning Walt. 
just that one. Now I get it. Um, Pushing um, hard into uh, podcasting and what I call non-music content, and investors love it. It's driving the stock. There's wait, investors or the Robinhood team? I I don't I don't even know at this point because like the way this stock is moving. And again, we've been very bullish on uh, on it, and we think there's a good opportunity. Is a little beyond um, what we would normally think is is normal, even if you start to look out several years. Look, I think the the story. My guess is at this point is, are you reaching escape velocity the way Netflix did a couple yeah. of years ago, where it just gapped up? And I think. Because so much of the story around Spotify was competition. You know, was Apple going to kill them? Was Amazon Music going to kill them? Was YouTube Music? And I think as you just see this cadence of announcements, I think there's a feeling among investors that there is no number two, that it's going to be Spotify up here and then everybody else, yeah, much like I mean, the video world has stratified. And, and that has been our thesis on Spotify anyway um, for a long time. That being said... Uh, you know, let's see what happens in terms of, you know, streaming wars, <laughs> right? And and bids for content. And let's see if Apple can get their shit together at all. Um, if Amazon wants to make a move, what, even in the US, what does Siri Pandora do, right? Well, and, and remember, Spotify is not a company that has been blowing away numbers. I mean, so this is not like numbers haven't changed. This is a massive multiple. I mean, I think we interviewed Daniel Eck on Lightshed Live, I think seven weeks ago, six weeks ago, and the stock is up now 60% from those levels. Yeah, on a a couple of podcast announcements. Maybe this can be be Dish Wireless's new content partner because you got AT&T has their own HBO Max and Verizon's got Disney Plus, and, and of course, T-Mobile's got Netflix. So Spotify is probably the next big media-type platform to partner with in terms of rolling it in for free for a subscription. Well, and it's funny, Walt, you know, music was one of the early things that people partner with. What was it? Nokia comes with music, I yeah. think, was, was an early partnership. And no one's really done music since then, which has just been surprising. I mean, I guess Verizon did an yeah, Apple Verizon Music Apple promotion music. for a while. Yeah. Uh, but we really haven't seen anyone partner with, with Spotify in terms of U.S. Uh, wireless company. That would be an obvious next move. You know, you all know it's crazy. That whole Verizon, a- Apple Music, I never even bothered to even try it for free. I, I just kept using Spotify. Because you're a Spotify user. But a lot, there's yeah. a lot of people out there that like the integrate. They're in the ecosystem and they like the integration with Apple Music and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I hear you. Well, but, uh, let's talk T-Mobile. So Drew Fitzgerald has a tweet, but obviously this was big news for the week. Um, this drama that existed between um, T-Mobile and Dish appears to be over. The tweet says, T-Mobile will sell Boost Editions July 1st after all, per a new filing. Given how long the network prep works takes, this went right down to the wire. So, I mean, there's still a lot of debate about who was asking for what. I mean, the, the end of the day, it just seems like um, to us, and I wrote about this a lot, that, that Dish was making sure that the MVNO agreement was working properly and there's, there were some issues. And, and um, so the DOJ got involved and now the thing's going to close on, on July 1st. So, so look, and then how soon can the, I get dish service? 
wireless uh, service? Well, I mean, a lot. So for Boost, that'll happen pretty quickly, but they'll have their own postpaid service up within a month or two. On the on the, the MVNO agreement will be finalized, I would assume, in the same time frame. There's still an outstanding issue that the DOJ has to has to rule on, which is which is the Spectrum deal, which could generate dish hundreds of millions of dollars payable from um, T-Mobile. But look, the bigger issue here is this kind of opens it up for Dish, not only in terms of you being able to sign up for their service or maybe Dish signing up Spotify, but the bigger things, which are, um, you know, looking for a strategic partner, whether that's Amazon, Google, some someone big tech, raising the money that they need to build this network. Um, and also just other things that are unrelated specifically to the wireless business, which is merging you know, with DirecTV, I think, you know, obviously the, the pay TV businesses continues to struggle in the second quarter. I think you wrote a little bit about this um, this week, Rich, in terms of sub losses. Um, there's a lot of synergies available um, to these two companies. It makes a ton of sense. Obviously, we've had a lot of discussions in DC. We think it's a doable transaction, but now the kind of dishes is, is, is past this big effort of getting all the things done with T-Mobile a lot of those other things, I think they have more time to, to put front and center on their plate. I mean, the industry is going to lose two and a half million plus subscribers. I mean, I remember when Brandon and I used to like go, oh, my God, they lost a million for the industry. And that was a, like an unbelievable number. And then they lost two million in Q1 this year. And we were like, you know, sort of like, oh, my God. <laughs> now we're talking about going up two and a half. And look, two and a half. Maybe so what do you think be... the direct TV number is going to be? Because I mean, it's it's. I think people are kind of circling around a one, two, one, three number. I think there was some concern it would be higher. I mean, I mean, it's more than one, three. That's a pretty big fucking number for Q2. Even if it's one, two to one, three, it's still a meaningful acceleration from Q1. And, uh, you know, you just, you look at the fact that what used to happen is if someone lost a lot of subs, they got picked up somebody somewhere else. These are just subscribers just leaving the ecosystem. And I think that's what's so surprising now. Like there's just... Comcast is losing. I mean, literally, other than Charter, which is sort of talking about things getting better for reasons that we don't really understand, everyone else is yeah, talking about losing out. subs. So why isn't YouTube TV or, or some of these other services doing, putting, I mean, maybe they are, uh, but it doesn't seem like they're, they're not putting as much of a marketing. Like, I have a friend who is doing the cord cutting. He's like, I'm trying to train my family over to YouTube TV. Like if there's a different experience on every television, which sometimes people just like to click it on. So that's, that's, a, that's a barrier. Shouldn't they be doing more to, to say, hey, look, this is how easy it is to flip over to us and cut your cord? Three quick things. One, they yeah. lose money. They don't make any money on a subscriber right now. So the economics of a Yeah, but it's still strategic. Rich, it's still obviously strategic or it wouldn't be there. Yeah. <laughs> and it wouldn't yeah, be heavily yeah. marketed during like, major sporting events well so that's the second piece brandon right major sports are that not there and so this was a service yeah. that was tied to nba finals Interesting. Yep. you know Super yeah, Bowl. so yeah. like that's there are no point. sports and so this was pitched as a sports service remember the hulu ad so they, so they you can't know, figure out how to pivot to what people oh, are watching now and advertise I, I, I know what number three is rich what no new intimacy scenes <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. So when when is Joe Rogan start? So maybe they should be a big advertiser for Joe Rogan. So in, if if uh, is he going to have ad load in there at all? Oh, for gonna, sure. Yeah, for sure. So get in there, baby. <laughs> Look, I I honestly think it is just a timing issue. Of they are still figuring out how big they want to be in this business, but it's very hard to go out and market a live TV service when the number one reason for live TV, the way they've built their entire image, is sports. 
So my guess is you'll start I mean, to see. What about sling? There's been a management change over at Dish. Like, is that? Well, let's go to the next seen... slide. That's okay. a great. That's a great preview for the next slide, oh, wow. which is this was news from last night that we had. I didn't even know this was coming, but yep. John Arend of Sports Business Journal tweeted out NFL Network and NFL Red Zone went dark on both Dish and Sling, uh, and then there's confirmation of it in the Baltimore Sun as well. So, basically, this to me is. Dish doesn't care about sports. And we, we've known that for a while. I mean, Charlie has pushed back on sports rights for years. Rich, but, just to stop you for a second, Charlie pushes back on everything. <laughs> like like my, my little joke with myself has always been, he'll just like cut everything and keep charging customers until they notice there's absolutely nothing left and then they just fall off and that's it. So what, how expensive is NFL Network? I mean, maybe this is him getting it to a profitability level. Then you crank up the marketing dollars and try and load as many non-sports type customers on there. I mean, look, to me, everything Charlie's doing is about milking the wire, sorry, milking the satellite business for, um, for you know, cash flow essentially. Right, and you get rid of the RSNs. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the, the RSNs are ridiculously expensive versus viewership. So you dropped yeah. them last year. It's this can be math, a sign. It's all a math equation for him. Correct. And, and this, but, but dropping NFL Red Zone is not a big deal. I don't think they probably had a tremendous number of NFL Network viewers or Red Zone viewers. Well, by the way, why wouldn't he drop them right now? The NFL season doesn't start for a couple of months anyway, so he could save some money in the interim. Yeah, look, I, I, to me, it's just this is just but, sort yeah, of a the NFL has no the NFL has no leverage now anyway. So I mean, it just kind of makes sense. Yeah, it, look, it, it also could be recognition of look the other thing that you know Walt was just talking about a Dish DTV merger. If you're gonna, you know, if literally, if if that's something that's gonna happen over the next twelve months or maybe even sooner, negotiate with scale. We know that we know that DirecTV is already opting out of renewing Sunday Ticket. They've been pretty vocal about that, and so you have both companies sort of are focusing on profits rather than, you know, subscribers. And if that's the theme of the merger of hey, we're going to keep losing subs. We both know that, but we're going to run this at a much much higher cash flow uh, and margin structure. That may serve the purposes for you know for, for, for how they think about the business into the future. That this is just a this is a cash generation vehicle, not a subscriber growth vehicle. Right, but on the sling side of things, there's certainly an opportunity to grab some of those customers, right? So. Yeah, but the problem with sling is it's sort of like it's got certain networks. It doesn't have others. Like it's not sling is not like the YouTube TV and Hulu. Like your friend who is trying to replace. I'm assuming a cable service wherever he lives or a satellite service, traditional. Yep. YouTube TV is a perfect replacement for essentially everything he needs. Sling is sort of, you know, it has certain channels and not others. It's sort of, it, it's sort of a mishmash. And I think my guess is Sling has just, Sling doesn't really know what it wants to be anymore. And I think that's probably the challenge. Um, so what's the goal of, what's the goal? Let's go back to YouTube TV. What's the goal here? Get a lot of customers and then jack price or? No, this isn't, I, it's, well, we could get into this a little later, I think. Well, no, I, but, you know, look, but I was just going to say like the goal is to know what you're watching. I mean, the one thing Google doesn't know is what you watch on your TV. I mean, Google knows essentially, I assume Google knows that the three of us are, uh, are, are, you know, um, connected. They know when we're in the same room as each other. I mean, Google knows everything. And so uh, the one thing Google doesn't know is what you watch. And from an ad sale standpoint, being there's able to still, kind of connect that piece of it is important. There's still 60 whatever billion dollars um, 
of advertising that happens on TV. Uh, I think it's still strategic for them to not only have a piece of it now, but especially when we get into more into connected television, which <laughs> will- okay, so, we'll so again, Branson, then why not dial it up? If, if you like something, dial it up, put some marketing dollars behind it and get the sub numbers up. Well, I mean, look, look, I'm going to move up. I, I changed I the order of the slides. I mean, look, I don't, I don't what they're doing what, here. Oh, shit. Okay. Well, no, I was just going to show, like, this is right, in so India as an example. Is, yeah. Yeah. This, this is India. It's obviously not the U.S., but, you know, we know that TCL is bringing Android TVs into the U.S. Uh, this is 8K and 4K models. But, and again, this is different than what Walt is talking about in terms of YouTube TV, but it, but it really ties to what Brandon's talking about, which is this war for the living room. And uh, all signs point to the fact that Android TV is going to make a very big push into the U.S., TCL is going to be sort of the lead engine of this before, you know, in our WeWork office that we never go to anymore, we have Sony TVs that have the Android interface, but I don't know a whole lot of people with Sony Android TVs. They're expensive. They're certainly, you know, they're high end, they're much higher end TVs. So they're not mass market. It feels like Google, you know, in terms of getting more aggressive with Android TVs, maybe to your point, Walt, maybe this is the, this is part of the, the, how they're building into a much bigger push around YouTube TV as well. Right, but do it device, because if I'm upgrading my phone, if I'm making this change, I'm like, all right, if I'll pay $800 for, I'm not talking India, but US, for a 65 inch TCL, it's right. my God, it's gonna be a lot easier for me to just say, Google TV is, is my TV choice. I put these things everywhere and get it standardized in someone's home, yeah. This, whole, mean, push, this whole push by Google um, into connected television though is important. One of the, one of the biggest battleground stocks right now is Roku. Um, I think this whole thing is one, a validation of the ad market and the future of the ad market that Roku is trying to go after. Mm -hmm. But on the, on the other hand, um, like there, it's not going to be seeded easily to Roku. All these, all the, you know, players in, advertising, especially digital advertising, aren't just going to give um, the market up to Roku. And I think it's, you're seeing it now through the battle between Warner um, and Roku and the, some of the reasons why HBO Max isn't on Roku. There, that, that whole battle has a subtext of what's going on with Xander and some of the things that, ways they want to monetize HBO. And then Google is is positioning themselves, and we'll probably see more later, um, to attack that from another angle. I think voice is also a really important element of this, because if you think about the voice side of this, like I have a Google, now it's called a Nest Home Hub. Yeah. And, and all I do, literally, yeah. all, all I do is say, okay, Google, play YouTube TV, or play CNBC on YouTube TV, and instantaneously, I've got CNBC playing. And I... I, I think that that using voice is a really important part of the living room yeah. and you can see well, where they're going to go with that. We, we talked three, four years ago um, about the, the battle to control the living room. And especially when Comcast finally gave in and, and let Netflix uh, onto 
their box and we were all like which which, which incidentally also had the differentiating factor of the voice right yep. as one of its things, yes right yes that's that's true but what one of the reasons we said that is they want to control the living room and all the services that that are attached um to broadband in the in the house and that was strategic and it started with the box because the most time that you spend in your home doing something is on the television so you you like it was strategic to Comcast. We thought it might be strategic to Apple. I don't know what the fuck happened there. Maybe you could fill us in on that, Walt. And for Google, they have Nest, you know, and they have YouTube, which is the most watched app on TVs. They may as well, A, go after all the connected TV ad dollars and try and control the whole home through Google Voice or And by the way, called. meanwhile, that company that, that T-Mobile bought a couple of years ago in Boston run by the, or that- Oh my gosh. They literally just write, wrote off the entire thing, or they are going to in the process of writing off the entire thing. At, yeah, at that was quite embarrassing. There was the same concept, right? Fight for the living room. I'm not sure. I mean, these X1 boxes are fine, but again, why not get Charter to use them, get Dish to use them, whoever it is? Like, you know. If you if you had a choice of an X1 box or, um, you know, a third party box, you're going to have a lot more flexibility in what you can do. I mean, even the X1 is not a truly open platform the way an Android box is going to be or an Android TV is going to be. I mean, I think it's going to be is a HBO, challenge. Is, is HBO Max on the X1 box yet? Not, not yet. Soon. Not yet. So Soon. It's, on my, it's on my Apple TV. It is. It's on the Android TV too. It's on my Apple too. TV too, but not my Roku. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's talk TikTok. We've got um, the information has a story that they hit or expected to hit 500 million of revenue this year. Uh, the article actually talks to two to 300 million of revenue last year. We had seen numbers that they were more in the 150 to 175 last year. It doesn't really matter. I, I think the, the key takeaway is usage is exploding. Advertisers are beginning to embrace the platform. Everyone is like, everyone is thinking about their TikTok strategy. Whereas, you know, a year ago, nobody was thinking about a TikTok strategy. And this sort of ties to what we talked about last week on the show, which is like the content categories are expanding, ad dollars are following the eyeballs. And, you know, if you think about where Twitter is today at 3 billion, Snapchat moving in on 2 billion, like I think you've got a pretty rapid glide path to getting TikTok up to 2 to 3 billion of revenue as you think out over the next couple of years. It doesn't seem hard to imagine at all, given the usage. How could, what's, what's their stance? Does Trump have uh, a TikTok strategy? Because they're the only ones who haven't, haven't spoken about 230 yet. I don't, I, I don't think that there is any Trump account that I know of on, on it. <laughs> I mean, some of the video, like the well, video no we official, made yesterday no, would be no perfect for TikTok. There's no, <laughs> there's no official Trump accounts, but there's a lot of um, pro-Trump content. That's I'm there. sure there's yes, that to you that. if you'd like. Um, let's talk about this one of the more complicated issues of the week. Brandon, why don't you start off um, explaining kind of what's going on. Would you like me to, to read? I'll, re I'll read this one, Brandon. Then you okay, go ahead, please. You know, I, um, I can read all this text. Uh, the tweet says, they claim, this is in reference, I guess I'll read the Axios text first. Match Group, the parent company of Tinder, uh, OkCupid, Match, and all the other ones, all, uh, issued a statement Tuesday criticizing Apple's 30% take on App Store purchases. And then the tweet above it says, quotes from it, 
They claim we're asking for a free ride when the reality is digital services are the only category that have to pay the app store fees. The overwhelming majority of apps have never been subject to Apple's payment systems and fees, and that's just not right. That was a quote, I guess, from Match. And then there's this other TechCrunch article um, basically saying Schiller's talking about how the the Hey app is unchanged and no rules changes are imminent. So basically they're not going to bend. Yeah, look, I, I think the question here is, is Apple's been pretty consistent, actually, that their policy is that apps like Netflix, so if all you're doing is watching videos or listening to music, meaning Spotify, or even something like the Kindle app, that you're allowed to not use in-app subscription and have subscription available on your website. Every other form of app, meaning if you're not a reading, watching, listening app, you have to, if you're gonna sell off, off platform, you have to sell on platform. And, and that's been the rule. I have no idea why that rule is set, like why there are the exceptions that there are, but that's been the rule and it hasn't changed. And I think, you know, the venting this week has been, why shouldn't email, um, you know, which, which is what Hay is trying to build, why shouldn't email be part of this? And, you know, Apple's response was email is not and has never been an exception included in this rule. I mean, it seems pretty clear cut why the exceptions are what they are, you know, is, is a larger question. But, you know, Walt, you've been pretty visible on Apple's push into subscriptions. I, I can't imagine they want to see subscription revenue or service revenue go down. I mean, look, it's a key component of leveraging the nearly billion users that are out there. And frankly, those users get it for free. And, and look, their argument is we've created this environment for you guys to get usage. There's other choices out there. Like they're not, you know, in the US, maybe they're 50% share, but globally, when you consider Android and, and how expensive Apple phones are, their share is a lot less. So it's a hard to argue that they control the market in terms of market share, maybe in terms of revenue share, there's an argument um, that can be made there, but look, if they create value, they want to get paid for the value that they're creating. And that's, that's, that's going to be their argument. Now, I doubt they're going to change it to your point, Rich, because why services revenue is what's, it's what's driving the multiple of the stock higher. And, and that's been the, the pitch on this thing. And look, we also know that on subscriptions, at least, this is versus transactions, we know that subscriptions in year one are generally 30%, and then it drops down to 15% in year two. And so the quote unquote app store tax does decrease for customers that you know have longer lifetime. So what, is, what, kind of, what kind of verbiage is that? It's, it's called a revenue share. Revenue now, share. Rich, the, now the real question is, like, what's to stop Apple from going back to your friends at Netflix and saying, it's time for you to pay the piper in 30%. All your customers are benefiting from this great experience that we create on our iPads and now these very large iPhones that we have. It's time to you start paying 30% if you want them to use it on our products. I honestly don't know um, why they enable the exceptions that they do. Um, you know, whether it, relative political. Well, I, mean, I mean, look, it's, it's uh, it, at the time, right? Mm -hmm. What if, like, how crucial to the app store was it that they had streaming music and streaming video? It was probably very crucial, so they needed to set commercial terms that were attractive to Netflix and Spotify and so on and so forth. Sure, but now right? they have all and, and this is just a legacy thing, and, yeah. the re and they're not going to change it because, to both your points, um, service revenue is important to Apple. They know that these companies 
are fully reliant on them. So why would they? Companies, but why, so why would they, they But why would they not go? Back what point? Like why not go back to Netflix and say, you know what? Sorry, now the rule for, is you for, yeah. for, for all we know, Netflix has a, a X year term that's going to expire at some point, and then Apple's going to bring down the hammer and say, like, okay. It's time for you guys to pay the piper because we need to drive our services revenue. And if you want yeah, your customers the, to watch through a, you know, through the that, browser that, on our device, go ahead. Yeah, then it's a game of chicken. <laughs> What's the chicken game? Then, then they pull it off, and you think someone's going to drop their iPhone and and pick up an Android just because well, they can watch Netflix. Walt, I didn't say what the outcome of the game of chicken was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but it's a game of chicken, right? right. Who's going to bend yeah. on that? Uh, yeah. Look, I, 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 the, reason this, the reason this story was so interesting to me this week was exactly that issue. Well, like, why, why wouldn't they go back at some point? I don't mean today, tomorrow, but like at but some your point. Your answer was, or Brandon's answer, which is probably 100% true, is that they wanted to create the early ecosystem, but now the ecosystem's changed. For all we know, that con we don't know if it's an annual contract or it's at will. Maybe right. it's a five-year term, and then once the term comes up, there's, there can be an, a renegotiation. Now, look, they, they go back to your question, you know, Brandon sort of made fun of Apple TV before in terms of owning the living room. If the goal is to be more aggressive with Apple TV and Apple TV Plus over the next few years, maybe there is good reason for standing down to encourage as many sure. video apps into the Apple TV world while you're fighting for market share. Why, why try and shake it up for a little because, bit of Because action. what's their share? I mean, we went back to that chart from how many podcasts ago. And 8%. Their share. Okay, so... Yeah, maybe you're going to make the, the college try on, on, on making it happen and, and whatever and give away free Apple. Let me finish. So free yeah. Apple TVs with, with AT&T, blah, blah, blah. And, but what, what if that doesn't work? And you're like, what the hell are we doing here with our 8% share? They're never going to grow that share. So. Right. So, so, I okay, disagree. So I don't know. So, I don't, so who knows? I don't know. Let's just assume they can't win the living room, which certainly means more than fucking 8% share. So at that point, they're like, all right, we're not winning the living room. Now it's time to like go after Netflix and, and bring us in some incremental uh, services revenue on that part of our business. Yeah, it's just not a good look to get into a war with Netflix. Then you start dealing with antitrust and all what these is, other things. Which is what I said. By the way, Reed will fuck with you. <laughs> like, so, so, so then the answer is the answer is which and I in Europe, know. like where antitrust is a much bigger issue we've seen with the EU, Spotify is a darling. So do you, do you want to fuck with, with Spotify in Europe? I, I just like, I don't think it's worth it, but so go the on, issue is, sorry. The issue, no, no, you're right. So the issue then becomes one of political clout, right? It's not leverage, where I guess that's part of your- Well, leverage. that is leverage. It's part a form of leverage. And that, look, that could depend on the next election and, and which companies have what type of leverage, depending on yeah. who's the president and who's in different administrations, like all these things. It's also the EU, though. It's not yeah, just- yeah, Look, I think what US. I hear both of you saying is, ultimately, it may, even though the exception is a ridiculous exception with probably no good basis today, it's easier to keep the status quo than to change the status quo, because changing the status quo creates even more regulatory it focus. Yeah. Correct. So it, there may be good reason for changing and removing the exception, but maybe not right now. Uh, Brandon, video gaming. Video games. Okay, we have two tweets here. Both um, are ATVI related. Uh, the first one, Overwatch League faces several headwinds in its third year, including sudden player retirements and reported drops in viewership. And the second one is a leak of 
Crash Bandicoot 4, um, which will be coming uh, to PS4 and Xbox One. It doesn't sound like it'll be on Switch. Who cares? Whatever. The, the point here is, um, as an analyst covering Activision, I could kind of care less um, about the esports element. I you don't... used to care about Overwatch. Like, Overwatch uh, used to be uh, a big deal to you. Well, I, I care about Overwatch the game, um, but I've been skeptical on the overall profitability of individual esports and the sustainability of individual esports over multiple years, especially when it comes to uh, uh, a game like Overwatch, which has had its its own engagement and, and monetization issues. I'd much, much rather see Activision drop new IP um, to to drive growth than to uh, to fix what's going on in Overwatch League. And that's sorry to all the Overwatch <laughs> League. People paid a lot for those teams, team, right? Team owners, but but what's going to move the needle much more is continued uh, is uh, continued create good good games uh, that are creative and can leverage their built-in fan base at both Activision and at uh, at Blizzard. And with Crash Bandicoot here, uh, they did the remaster uh, for the first three. It sold well over 10 million units on just the remaster. And there's obviously demand for, for a fourth one. And it's, it's going to help earnings. That's it. Uh, whereas Overwatch League, who knows? I'm and much your point more is interested the again in what Overwatch 2 looks like than in how OWL does. And when is Overwatch 2? Just remind us, Luff, likely. That, Rich is a good question because I think the prevailing belief is that, and our belief, what we had sort of gleaned was it would be sometime maybe in spring of 21. This is pre-COVID. This like is pre-COVID pre pre world. And it didn't sound like from what Bobby said, things had really been delayed because of COVID on the development front. But, you know, with Blizzard, who the hell knows when things actually come out. Um, it could be 21, who knows, it could be 22, but at least now there's an additional game in Activision's arsenal to continue to on the momentum of the turnaround that they've had and to, and to grow earnings. Nobody was really looking at the Activision division outside of Call of Duty for, for new IP um, or new titles, brand new. And this is a, a positive surprise. Now let's, how about we oh, well, I, I just want to yeah. throw one more thing in because this came out while we're on video games last week is Warner Interactive Entertainment. Oh, selling, selling, uh, right? Selling. And I don't know why we didn't think to include it in our pre-planned, yes, there is a pre-planned part of this. Um, but a couple, couple of quick thoughts. One is we wrote in our top 20, that we thought EA might buy that um, this year. What's the name of that? What, what's the name of the unit now? It's Warner Games. Warner it used Games. To be Warner, Warner Interactive Entertainment. Um, it has Mortal Kombat, and then it le leverages a bunch of the IP uh, that's at Warner. EA makes a lot of sense. They're used to working with a lot of 
third-party IP. They do it with Disney and Star Wars games. They work with, they have the licenses, obviously, for Madden and FIFA. And they have a shit ton of cash right now. The, the, the two sides of this, though, is like you look at it in one way, it's great that AT&T is selling this. I know, Walt, everyone cares yeah. about the dividend and cash and all of that. On the flip side, you think about a company that is yeah. mobily focused, thinking about 5G in the future, and you go, yeah. oh, my God, gaming yeah. is one of the most exciting things they could honestly do with their platform. Why are they getting out of games versus investing in games? When we had Jason Kyler, or as you say, Kalar, on um, killing me. You're killing on, me. On lights, I'm killing you today. You're killing on, me. On Light Shed Live, um, what was it, six, eight weeks ago, I, I personally got the feeling that he wasn't looking to get rid of the games unit, despite our inklings, shall I say, and beliefs before that. So it's maybe this it's, is COVID driven that the prices are going up tremendously because of engagement. And this is just the time to strike right now. Oh, Walt, dividend coverage, other things. I mean, it's, I think it's less of an issue. There's, you know, Fed activities that I think are helpful to companies like AT&T that have a lot of debt. Um, so I don't think there's as much pressure, but look, there's ways to monetize to delever. There's other things that are out there that they, that they'd like to deal with. I mean, obviously, I mean, the LATAM business that, you know, Brazil's a, clearly a disaster right now with, in terms of currency. So that's not going anywhere. We talked about DTV Dish before. So whatever. Right. DTV right Dish price. is a much bigger deal than yeah. you know, whatever X billion you get from this. You well, if they got 5B for this, does that even move the needle for them? No, it doesn't. But you have yeah. a new CEO and, and new CEOs have different um, priorities, right? So... If the last CFO was building a very diversified, you know, hodgepodge of things and Stanky wants to take it a new direction, then that's clearly his prerogative. Um, right. Like if HBO Max is their focus, gaming may be a distraction. It may be that simple, even if it's a good business. And we can determine whether that was a good decision or bad decision, <laughs> but that appears to be what the decision is going to be. But we talk clowns now. Walt, you do this one. I mean, this is just amazing. I don't, I mean. <laughs> well, first, the, the, since the, again. The first tweet, the first, I don't know if we have this. Oh, yeah, we do. So there was a, with, I don't know what, and I apologize if someone's listening, but the TechCrunch or Verge or what, one of these, like, had interviewed this CEO of AMC when, um, I'm just going to read the quote. This is from the CEO of AMC, I think. This is. We did, we did not want to be drawn into a political controversy. This is his decision to say people don't, it's mask optional before he flip-flopped. He said, we do not want to be drawn into a political controversy. We thought it might be counterproductive if we forced mask wearing, blah, 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 blah. When I go to an AMC feature, I will certainly be wearing a mask and leading by example. So he's saying First of all, I don't know how masks are political, <laughs> whatever. I think but it's a health issue. I think it's a health issue, not a political issue. Well, health is not no, political. It's, it's like you either- By the way, it's obviously it's, it's a health issue, but it's become <laughs> a political issue, right? No, but, it, but it, okay, so you, he's identified, identified it as political, which he did not have to do. He can just say it's a health issue. So, so he identifies it as political and then he takes a side. Yeah, he effectively right. takes a side. Personally, then, personally then, he takes a side. And then he finishes off with saying he's gonna be a leader by, by going to movies himself, wearing a mask, that, like after not being a leader at all in terms of the decision. And then 18 hours later, when they, when they flip-flop and say, you have to wear a mask, saying like, oh, look how great we were because we quickly, you know, 
took all these consultants and whatever it was. I mean, it's amazing. All about the Benjamins. There was pushback, and so he caved. It, it, at yeah, the end of the but, day, he, his original stance was, ooh, I don't want to, you know, there's so many people in certain states and with certain political views. I just, I just want to make that money. And then way, that's fine. That's fine to be that way, but carefully consider that before you make your decision. So you don't look like a total, whatever, um, in, wow. terms of, in terms of like flip-flopping back. And by the way, there's not a, you can't have everyone before 3 PM mass acquired and like evening shows like mass not required and bring people to like there's so many different iterations of how you can deal with this this is not a complex issue this is not a complex issue it is a uh, it's amazing to me how they screwed up that whole process look they are so desperate to get movies back in theaters and they are so yeah. worried about That's anybody going oh my god i'm not going to go if i have to wear a mask and look to your point before it sounds better sitting in a movie theater with a mask on than sitting in Disney World on a 90 degree, degree day outside with a mask on. But still, you know, wearing a mask to a movie theater is probably not going to be comfortable for everyone. That's the health side of it. It's nice to see them reverse their stance. But I think this is just a symbol of they are so – this thing is so overlevered. And they're so worried about the having no, enough people show solutions. up. So, again, everyone before the matinee or 5 p.m., required to wear after that sign off a waiver they have alabama is asking their players to sign a waiver our president's asking people to show up at a at a large rally to just sign a waiver and, and have no mass required and then just split the difference between them well i mean universal they take your temperature lego land they take your temperature no temperature checks for movie theaters and so uh, by the know. way those temperature checks now that i went to the dentist this week and you know did a went to the doctor so on and so forth they're really fast. It's 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 oh, faster crazy. to take someone's temperature than it is to like scan a ticket to go yeah, into my, the theater. And, and my my takeaway from that, Brandon, and now that yeah. my kids are all full age, is like, why the hell didn't that pediatrician have that before? We're going in, they say, we're waiting for the kids to take the <laughs> temperature. Like, I mean, how much can that thing cost? Like, that's so much easier if they just took temperatures that way. And yeah, they you tell you your temperature before you even like step up. They're like shooting you in the forehead. Where have these been for the last five? So anyway, so the, my last thing on the AMC also is like, I know you loved it. I knew you love it. I mean, it's it's there's so many people. It's a lot of this is about enforcement. Just say you have to wear a mask and then don't enforce it if if you're worried about people doing it. Like I don't. I mean, I just don't understand. Yeah. No masks. No intimacy scenes. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely going to be no intimacy in the theaters with masks. <laughs> okay, I think we're done. <laughs> that was episode nine. Thank you all. Have a good weekend. <laughs> Bye.